Uh, I'm Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm a hundred pounder. Uh, that, that refers to you got a hundred pounds you want to lose or you have lost or whatever. And um, the world looks real different at 310 and 210 now. But it, it, it looks different. I know I'm a compulsive overeater. I first really realized that... Um, from working with the sponsor and reading the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. In it, in the first chapter, there's the, you know, the, um, I recommend you get it if you don't have it, get the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's a chapter called The Doctor's Opinion where he speaks about treating alcoholics and then says they have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. What that meant for me is that if I liked something food-wise, why not gorge on it and put myself out? I didn't learn that behavior right away. But certain food items, it was suggested to me when I first came in in 1983, I was better off if I left alone. And I wanted to be popular so badly, it was killing me. So I nodded my head and go, Okay, okay, sure, sure, that's great. Um, anyway, with food, what I'll explain, I'll, get, I'll start at the beginning and move up. Um, food before, you know, being a junkie or a lush, food that did everything for me. I, as far back as I can remember, didn't really have social skills to fit in. People uh, in classroom, I've related this before, I didn't really relate to the other kids. I didn't know how. Teacher would call me for what, what's the answer here. And I just stare at her because I didn't understand the language. I'm, I'm not a little better today. I'm not sure what was going on there. But behaviors like that single you out. And I would have been a compulsive overeater even if my social interactions weren't unusual. But I was really tense around children. The one, the one thing we all had in common was snacks, food, junk food, going to, you know, stuff normal kids of that age do. Um, but I'd eat it, gobble it down, or put it in my face in such a way that the kids would start uh, going, look what he's doing, oh my God, that's disgusting, with some variation of that. We... Um, our, our um, teacher passed out cupcakes in the sixth grade every Friday if we were a civilized class. <laughs> one, one day, I decided, oh, oh, okay, this makes sense. And I pulled out the cupcake, boom, 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 my face is kind of smooth. Then I ate the uh, the wrapper because, I, okay, the good part's there. It's missing extra crumbs. I, why wouldn't I do that? And the kids uh, said, Teacher Robin's eating the cupcake wrapper. And I, uh, <laughs> they said, You don't do that, Robin. And I started crying because it, it made sense to me to eat it. And, you know, I'll take a leap that kids don't do that all the time, you know. <laughs> I mean, Anyway, um, what's another time? I, it would relieve, you get the idea, it would relieve that anxiety I felt might be from relating to other kids because they had basically no idea whatsoever. 
Um, but it would really, any time, I didn't have to be feeling necessarily an interaction, they hurt my feelings or something, I'd just be feeling um, irritable, something, and discontented, it mentions that in the big book. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I mean, one time we were at this place called uh, Jemco, it's like updated to Costco or whatever now, it was back in the old days. I felt grumpy, so I said to my mom, can I have some money for some uh, foster freeze? And I got a cheeseburger, french fries, and one of those really grotesque wrapped up uh, fruit pastries that, you know, put you to sleep and in a coma almost instantly. <laughs> prior to, prior to um, narcotics and discovering alcohol. And it, and it um, it's kind of similar, I think, actually. Last one I remember that illustrates didn't care what people thought. You know, it, it um, it's a two-parter thing with the our steps. It talks about we were powerless over food, and our lives had become unmanageable. Now, it affects my relationships with people. My last step there before I move on a little bit is I go into uh, movie theaters, large by the popcorn, have them measure out quarter, 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 then on top. The popcorn wouldn't do it every single time, but I got in the habit of doing that with the butter, where they par parcel it out, and uh, kind of it made it wet, and uh, almost like a, 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 excuse me, a milkshake, and get, get uh, butter all over my face, and it was hard to pick up, and I couldn't wipe it off, and my friend said, Looks pretty bad, and I wanted to go to the bathroom and wipe it off. And so I did, and I, I first thought was, that does look disgusting. I'll never do it again. And I was amazed when I heard the last sentence in this meeting. I'll never do it again, and this time I mean it. Because I thought, next time I did it, I thought, oh well, it's their problem. I like doing this to screw up. You know, and it's like, in my own private world, if you didn't understand me, that's your problem. Meanwhile, I'm lonely because I don't have friends and I don't have any idea about what my interactions are, what my behaviors are. It can be a very lonely world. And of, of the before, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, I guess I identify with the lonely. We say, honey, don't get too hungry, angry, lonely or tired or sad and mad, glad, and the other one is any other time. I mean, I, I don't really need an excuse to eat, but it seems to, you know, the, the problems seem to come when I'm alone. Um, so the object of this program is to hook us up, kind of, so we don't feel like we're alone. I went through, let's see, my father died when I was 17. That was significant for me. I miss him now, and I've made my amends, um, even though he was a brutal guy, and I'm only talking about my relationship with my father. He died at 17, when I was 17, and uh, people would tell me, I'm sorry, your father's uh, dead, and I would yell fairly loudly, close to screaming, with a constant face, I'm not, I don't miss him, blah, blah, blah. Really, like a lot of, a lot of obvious issues with your father then. And um, 
It was in Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters, actually, a first. I was given permission to step back a little bit from my relationship with my parents, which I'll go into later. So, 17, let's see, I mentioned before that, 13 or 14 during the summer, growing up kid, kid growing up, I was like five, six in three months and went up to the height I am now at 13 or 14. Compressed into that time a lot of uh, what is it, testosterone or whatever is plugging into a kid. So, you know, it's going out and going out of my mind because I don't relate to the people, let alone, you know, in my mind, I actually said this, uh, what are women about, Dad? Because I, I kind of vaguely thought everyone's similar and that women really aren't different from men. They're exactly the same. And um, needless to say, I wanted to relate to women, but I had no idea. So that was added into the mix that I'm different, I'm unusual. And I mean, in Overeaters Anonymous, one of the passages, it's all through the literature, but one of the passages that's been most effective for me is in the big book, they have stories in the back, but after page 164, my, I haven't read all the stories, so I'm sure they have stuff to offer me. It's funny. I'll read the big book, and I'll reread it, and I'll go, I didn't notice that before. It's interesting. There's a lot of stuff in there. But in, anyway, the doctor acceptance was the answer. The guy talks about, physician talks about his problems, uh, and, and there's a passage often quoted, if I if I accent accent the similarities with other people, they will, will grow. If I accent the differences, they will grow. And to me, one is about what I do as sort of foreplay to a drink or a bite. You know, I'm different from everybody else, and it doesn't mean I'm bad. Overeating and binging doesn't mean you're a bad person. That's that's. <laughs> It's sort of get it about food, but emotions and feelings and the fact that I'm human, that I'm a guy, all that stuff doesn't make me bad. It's what normal people do with food. It's what I do. It's like, um, well, uh, you know, the scratch and the itch. It's sort of like chicken pox. I mean, the allergy of the body. You, you don't, you're not a guilty character if you're being judged. God is not judging you, and I, I um, have recently come to believe that. I'll get into that, uh, too. So, we fast forward, time in jail, the drunk tank, time through, getting caught two or three times for assaulting food, uh, not, not grocery, grocery store, but not assaulting, they'd catch me, I'd push them away and run, stealing and stealing. Uh, pouring through garbage, uh, jumping into a McDonald's uh, trash can, and thinking somehow in my mind that now I belong. This is what you had to do, so I did it, you know. And if the others didn't understand, then, well, they were losing out on a very attractive young teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you want what you want, right? That's the addict's mind. Um, Eventually, I went through uh, a trip, I won't go long into that, into going to AA. My mom made up a fictitious incident, said the judge is telling you go, and I, you know, it didn't happen. The judge didn't tell, she didn't see a judge. 
went to AA. I said, I'm not an alcoholic. And the, the fellow said, why don't you try some controlled drinking, which is directly in the book. And I said, yeah, okay, for a month, whatever. After a couple of days, I stopped and started to go into the, the binge mode. And I thought, oh, this guy doesn't understand. It's okay. It's okay. And someone said, go back and tell him. And I said, oh, no, no, no. I don't need to do that. But the seed was planted. I can't do controlled eating. So a year or two or whatever, I finally admitted I got to go back. That was 83. I came in because my motives, there is no bad motive. If you're coming in and someone tells you what you need to be doing is working steps. Well, that's true, but you do what you do. The requirement for membership is a desire to stop overeating. It says that in our literature, you know, when sponsors related that to me, means I don't have to be alone anymore, no matter how poor I still think my social skills are. I don't have to be alone. There's a place I go where I actually don't have to be alone. People can understand me here better than my wife and my brother. I love them both, but better, better. I don't have, you know, it's amazing. I still can get grateful over that. Anyway, I went in because I thought, it, you know, I need to find a, a girl's friend. And um, I, I, without uh, in-depth, I found this series of uh, unusual ladies. I mean, God bless them. I, uh, <laughs> if I, you know, like the pot calling the kettle black there in that circumstance. But um, then I found my wife and like the, the banner, the banner, we see mission accomplished. So I thought, okay, it's time for it. It's time for it. Come on. I left. Put on 120 pounds, 110 pounds, and uh, wanted to go back, but I thought, oh, what will they think? I consciously thought, I don't want to be going back looking fat. And that, that's what we call my thinking. My thinking will kill me if I listen to it, you know, and I don't have to listen. Hey, dude, how you doing? I don't have to listen to what my thoughts are anymore because I have models show me how to act. So I went through put on 100 pounds, came back in 2000. Um, Karen D. from, well, the Florida a very smart woman, hadn't seen her in 10 years, appeared in a dream and said, it's okay to go back to OA. Now, to me, every once in a while, things happen that I'll say, everyone else can think what they want. I know that's God. I understand that's God, and I'm not going to ignore it. I think it's very possible and I'm not a bad person for this. God talks to me or to us on a channel. We say me more than I realize, and sometimes I'm able to hear him. So I came back this time, and um, Wendy, can you tell me how much time I have left? Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much. Okay. So I came back. First sponsor I had was different from the way of now. I heard my current sponsor three fifteen oh four, and I, I took off from that point. It's this is not an easy program. I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I I always speak for myself. I, I try to really you know, not rehearse and say, okay, not going to rehearse. But what I will tell you is. It's not an easy program. This is this is because it hurts. You take away the food, 
and it hurts. It's not easy. It's not easy. But there's there's a fellowship, and there's a power greater than myself. And it depends on what I look for. I was powerless over food. My life's unmanageable. Step two came to believe that a power greater than us could restore us to sanity. Well, that's worth fighting over too, because admit I'm insane? No, I'm a guy. This is what women do. I want to meet a woman. I'm not insane. You know, but eventually what I learned is it's not a moral judgment. You have a serious condition uh, that, you know, if you address, I've had cirrhosis of the liver from needles. I've had epilepsy from bar fights. I've had um, seizures. I've had broken ribs. I've had almost die car, car accidents. You know, I, I can go on about that stuff. But in my memory, it's very poor. I like to tell people that it keeps things fresh because they don't know every time I go into the every time I they try to laugh at this stuff because deep down it scares me but I've been given also okay just now you have just now what I've learned then I made the decision to turn my will and my life over to a power greater than myself now that's that's a fascinating concept I was I was raised a Unitarian, which doesn't exactly mean everybody hates us, but I was raised a Unitarian, and um, I took away from that that a power of as I understood Him, you know, God, as I understood Him, and that is the, the wisdom of the group uh, that God speaks to everyone. I'll get back to step four after this. I need to feel tied in because as, a, as an overeater, what it does is push walls around you that you have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. You can't really think about anything else if you're going through wondering when you can you know, shove it in and pass out from carbohydrate bombs or anything like that. Um, the, the thing is, so, and I, I haven't learned this, what's the word, linearly, in a linear fashion, that, okay, if I do A, I do B, if I do B, I do C, if I do C, I do D. Well, I read the book, and, you know, what, what I've learned is that I learn what the principles are for me from listening to people who seem to be seem to know what they're doing like my sponsor and what what has been shown is that there are experiences in program it's called being of service we carry the message of recovery to the overeater who still suffers now that's easy to do you might be scared first thing I ever did in my absence was greet people at doors say hi, how are you doing, and putting chairs away, putting chairs up, or being of service. Because I, even now I can launch into it, I have the thoughts, and it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I imagine catastrophe, but that's one example of service, though. The one I've currently found that's fascinating to me is 20 minutes out of the day, I'll sit on my front porch, you look at trees. Trees are very, you know, you look at the root, you look at the uh, branches, you look at the leaves, you study the patterns of the leaves. And, you know, there's a lot there, right, beside what I'm saying. The birds come. That's very relaxing to me 
to listen to birds. Now, what takes me out of myself that is benefit is feeding the birds. That's an example of outside program. You also do maybe you can do housework. That's an amends. You can get the mail. You can go shopping. If you haven't done those things before, now I tend to have come from a place of uh, I'll be gentle and say severe slovenly. I mean, just <laughs> severe about it. You know, I, 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 uh, you know, somebody tells me make the bed, and I'll say, uh, I, I got up. I'm gonna go to bed. What's the point? You know, <laughs> they. Uh, Believe it or not, I actually feel better about myself if I make it every day or if I go shopping. Now, this is a personal matter. Um, I kind of felt like I'd worn the same thing day in, day out, bleached to white pants from washing, which is cool, and a t-shirt. But I decided I wanted to get something different because I'm... I'm worth getting something different. It's not like I have to. It doesn't really relate to, you know, the cost or whatever. But I'm worth getting something different. I can treat myself well. I can be kind to myself. Step four, um, a searching and fearless um, inventory, moral inventory. I um, it can't be put into words. Really, but the experience of doing this was titanic, you know, and that's not really descriptive. Is that I felt this like swirling and using up a lot of boxes of Kleenex and so forth, almost hyperventilating. I was crying so hard because I told another person incrementally, but there for the first time, everything I was ashamed of and. Um, I worry a lot. I'm a worrier. And suddenly I was driving home and I was, I thought, this is it. Maybe I'm going to worry, but I don't have to rehearse why I'm a bad person before God. Why do the people hate me? There's my part in things. We talk about that. Basically, I'd approach people as a, well, phrase a taker sort of uh, odious but I, I'd approached people and wanted to see what I could get out of a relationship now that's very hard to realize for me I'll say it was hard to realize for me basically because I had no clue what it's like to be a human let alone a male and um so I assumed from following example, except my, my friends were all overweight alcoholic junkies. I mean, so <laughs> it wasn't like I had a good role model to follow. <coughs> so coming into OA and AA, uh, oh, Bruno, what does that mean? Five? No, that's it. The what? That's it. Oh, that's it? Okay, well, read page 99. I was going to touch down on that. This program has worked well. And be of service. That's central gratitude and service. Thank you. There is no break at this meeting. We'll pass the basket in our seventh tradition. I have asked, um, I missed your name, sir. I'm sorry.
third row, the person, hello? Yeah, David. David, compulsive overreader. Twelve traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Let problems with money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please, rem- please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own, not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. We are being recorded. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, okay, we state the question after it is asked. That means that's what I do. Let's see some hands, please. Or I will pick on someone. Okay, go. <laughs> Food plan I'm presently following is three meals a day with two snacks in between. I um, barely able to leave the house for a, long, a year and a half. My portions have become larger, but I'm following the exact food plan I used to. And uh, that's it. It's pretty simple. The Abstinence is no fried foods, no chocolate, and nothing over, nothing in between meals. Um, so, anybody else? What was your, how was your relationship with uh, your higher power evolve? How did it evolve? How did my relationship with my higher power evolve? Uh, well, again, it's a question of motive. I copied the higher power, basically, of, of any woman I was talking to. 
And from there, I'd say flippant things like, oh, it's Fred Astaire. You know, that's not a bad answer. Fred Astaire, for Christ's sake. See, but, but now I understand that I have a severe situation with all that other medical garbage I laid out, as well as, as who I am and my capacity to destroy myself. So now it's someone I desperately need that listens to me, that does not judge me, and does not present tests for me to accomplish. He is guarded, I am guarded by the law of karma, and I may be given, you know, you put in, you get out, and that's, that's my higher power. He provides wisdom, he does not judge. I am at perfect liberty to completely destroy myself, and he will love me regardless if I kept doing every, every little garbage scuttle detail. My God loves me, and he just, he, he helps me along if I ask for help and if I pray to listen. That's, that's, I guess that's about all I can say. Anybody else? I thought I heard a hand over here. Go ahead. You can Go ahead. Uh, once every uh, three months, I hate weighing myself still. I haven't let that go. That's um, given to understand that's a fear issue, I guess, and wanting to control it. I think it's really important to put a period of time. If you've got it, since you've got to do it every day, try moving it every other day. I don't know. That's my feeling. Because the numbers tend to be a validation. It's not exactly true now, but they tend to be a validation of uh, my character. Since November of 2011, I put on 22 pounds. And today, most of the time, I'll wake up and I'll think, Oh fuck! But it, it usually leaves within five, five to ten minutes, you know, because increment, you know, whatever. I mean, it leaves, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll hear myself saying, "Okay, well, it's your choice. You could punish yourself for the rest of your life over this incident, or you could realize you're in a program that deals with food. You don't have to use this to hate your guts. Not that." Not that I've let go of hatred completely, but boy, I feel good sometimes, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, so I hope that touches down somewhat. Yeah, um, on this side? Yeah, you said uh, your father was dying when you were 17, and My relationship with my father after I've done the steps? Looking back on. Okay. You know, when he was alive. Okay. Well, he was going to beat my brother up. I was about 15, and I screamed at him, leave him alone, yada, 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 or I'll kill you. And he left him alone. I mean, so I, my father beat me a lot over crazy things. Then I turned on him as it were. Uh, after he died, I, what I said, I told people, I'm glad he's dead. I'm glad he's dead. It took me a long time to realize that I, I really had fallen deeply into 
everything I did deeply into it, and that I didn't have to do that anymore without mentioning every detail. I went to this therapy group where we were encouraged to take a bat and pound the heck out of a pillow and scream, I hate your daddy. And we were, we were told this would clear away our minds and hearts and Mostly it cleared away my mind because I paid for therapy like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, and maybe the people who offered it weren't complete crooks who should be in jail. I don't have a real opinion of that. But. Then I realized that my dad was a tormented individual, really tormented to do the stuff he did. And it says somewhere, I think in the 12 and 12, I was thinking this, and I'll try to find it today. In many instances, we are dealing with fellow sufferers. My dad was miserable. He was miserable, but he had a lot of accomplishments. And we went camping every year for a month in places like Big Bear Yosemite and uh, whatever up to Canada. I remembered the good stuff and let go of the idea that I had to hold on to every negative thought. I'm only speaking for myself because I know relationships with parents are way more complex than I even want to think about. I, I'm grateful for his life. Now, my grandmother, I'll mention later, that, that uh, is another story. I don't even think about it anymore. But my mother and my father, I miss them every day. I have pictures of them framed, uh, you know, in front of the bed, and I'll wake up and say, I miss you, I miss you, I wish you well. And, you know, it's like that. So, that, that's in programs helped me get there. Not because I was bad for hating his guts, but I felt that, that um, God would have loved me, but that I was, I was being pushed to do a little more. I don't know if it was God or whatever, but something in me was saying, Healing means you want to do a little more if you're serious about healing. Um, so that's where it was. And, you know, I, maybe parents are, are meant to disappoint you. I, I'm not sure how that, what that sounds like. But I went through a long stage of, I'm disappointed. I didn't say, you know, and uh, the disappointments are genuine, but for me, getting over it is important to speaking for me. That's all. Please. Yeah, um, when you did major roadblocks in your life, major what? I'm sorry. Roadblocks, stumbling things. Um, how, do you, how do you use the program? Do you end up more meetings? Go back to your steps? How do you approach that? What do you do? Why do you give you some money? What do you do in terms of the program? <laughs> Uh, when I reach stumbling blocks, what do I do in program? How do I deal with it? I um, call my sponsor. I can a little bit I wrote. I call my sponsor, and he'll remind me that I'm a human being and I'm going to feel some shit over this. And he suggests what I do then, which is usually call him up every day, write about it, write every hour, call people, call about six people, and read the big book, uh, ask him what to read, call people, and then go on activities where I don't have to think about it. Um, 
lately in this abstinence. Oh, oh, oh. I know you don't sing happy birthday. 3.15.04 was my abstinence date, so I just crossed nine years, which is nice. And I remind myself, I'm on my path. This event is shit I'm going through, and eventually it dissipates. I don't know why that is. If I don't take the bite or you know, no chance of those other programs reoccurring or I don't act crazy with people or something. Um, eventually, the pain lessens. I, I go to an outside help. I go to a therapist. I go to group therapy. My sponsor has a once-a-month meeting. I have a sponsor. I make sure I'm working the steps. And I get a sponsor. You don't like the one you have. You can change them. You don't like the God you have. You, I was told you can take out, write a wanted ad or, or something, or change your higher power. But you ask for help. You know, that's the important point. I take a judo once a month, and the, the what is it, sensei had me trapped and put a hold on me, and he said, Okay. Are you trapped now? Do you feel like you're trapped now? Yes. What do you do? And he said, you ask for help. I said, uh, yeah, I ask for help. And he said, that's the beginning. That's the beginning. So ask for help. Find someone. Find a sponsor. I'm kind of repeating myself. But it's, it's desperately important because we're not worse than AA or NA or, or SA. We're not really. Our disease is a little bit sneakier, but, but really... Deep down, it's the same goddamn thing. Oh, oh I don't believe that on the recording, huh? Okay. <laughs> that, that's all I can share. You come up, give me your number, we'll talk. Whatever you want to do, get numbers and call people, all right? All right, that's it. So, anyone else, please? Okay, uh, the lady and then the gentleman. What has my relationship been with my sponsor? And um, what came up with my sponsor? And did I change? Did he say? Through a lot of sponsors. All blasts set a record home. I was in 83 to 90. And basically, I'd ask people to be my sponsor. I wouldn't call them. I'd ask them to be my sponsor. I'd call once. I asked this uh, wonderful fellow, I, I, you know, I, I do step four and five, and I think really deep down I was thinking, my motives, again, what are my motives? I'm uncomfortable with this relationship with another guy, so I'm going to change. I mean, he'll judge me, women I'm trying to impress, guys are there to judge me, and so I have a sponsor now, and Sometimes we have, uh, well, disagreements. I'll, I'll holler at him, uh, uh, I don't know the number of times, I don't count it, but I've hollered at him and I've hung up, uh, always saying, I'm going to hang up now, because well, you know, I, I try to be polite, but I've gotten angry. And, you know, it's a polite one you have to watch out for, but that's definitely a joke. They, um, and, he says stuff that 
I'll give it a day if I think he's insane. And a lot of times it'll come to rest that, no, there's a point there. But other times, you know, I'll come, no, you're wrong and here's why I think so. Or I accept his advice. It's very important to not jump around. It's really possible you get someone who's a little brutal or whatever, but you try to stick with who you have because running away can present itself as logical, but it can be hysteria hidden under a he's stupid, I'm, I'm, I'm good or something. You know, it can hide under the word rationale, whatever it is. So, give yourself a chance, talk around, don't condemn yourself for being angry, but heavily question the desire to drop the sponsor unless, you know, it's up to you. And I'd say, don't go through 30 plus like I did there. <laughs> Makes you insane. <laughs> Uh, did I see someone else? Someone's had, yeah, go ahead. Thanks, Ryan, for your service. You're welcome. How has um, the user program, the working aid program, played out in your relationship with your marriage? That's good. My, um, relation, how is being in program, working program, played out in my relationship with my, in my marriage? Oh, okay, that's a good question. I was married in uh, 90, well, the first day was in November of 88, married in 92, put on 100 pounds. And when I came back uh, for a, a long time, up until about four or five years ago, I, I rattled at my, my sponsor who had his response and my therapist, my trouble is my wife's severely disabled and I don't have a nice life, but what am I supposed to do? If she does things, she won't get out of bed. She, 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 it's her fault. And then one day um, she said to me, you knew who you were getting when you married me. And I said, no, I didn't. You've gotten sicker. And, and what happened was I prayed, I realized, I prayed, I talked to my sponsor. And I realized, yeah, that's true. I knew who she was when I married her. I knew that was going to happen. What's happened is I've learned how to be in, uh, when we have differences, without screaming at her, without throwing books, which I did once, so I don't have to get myself locked up anymore, which happened once. I didn't touch her, but I called Kaiser and said, put me in jail. I'm insane and out of my mind, which... Actually, it's a positive. You don't, you, you, you know, okay, take me away, put me somewhere. I don't want to fucking be here. But, okay, to just say, to recognize, I, I, in my mind, I think she's a bit of a troll sometimes. I love of argument. You keep going and going. But what I do is just say, do I hear a bell ringing? No? Okay, sorry, Adam. Does that mean we're done? Okay. God bless you all. I've been told this. Thank you.